Where are you from? Four simple words. To some, it may seem like an innocent question, and sometimes it very well is. But what if you were asked that any time you introduce yourself to someone? I'm not talking about once or twice over your lifetime. I'm talking about every time you meet somebody. What is that question implying? What are they really asking? Imran is back with us again to help you and me understand what it's like to be questioned about our belonging, our nationality, and our origins. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Evan Johnson. Uh, with me today again is Mr. Imran. And uh, we got a little interesting topic for everybody. Um, a little bit about uh, perspective, a little bit on culture, a little bit on uh, you know where we come from, where we're going. So without further ado, let's, uh, let's bring in Imran. Imran, hello. Hi. Uh, great to be here again. And I think it's... it's at this point in my life, I'm so thankful to be having conversations like this that are just meaningful and I feel like are getting somewhere, making progress in life. So, Yeah, you know, that that's the whole point of why I wanted to get going on this podcast is to have these conversations and to, uh, you know, open some doors to things that may not be normally discussed. Uh, and so far, I mean, honestly... Um, you know, the handful of people that have given us a try, uh, have really had good things to say. I've heard a lot of, a lot of cool. good feedback on our conversation, um, liked where the conversation, you know, previous conversations have gone and haven't gone and tried to predict where it's going and all that sort of stuff. So let's keep them on our toes, Imran. Let's, let's keep yeah. everybody on there. <laughs> yeah. At this point, I mean, we, you know how hard it is to schedule a, one of these and it's like, yeah. we're, all, we're both busy of families, jobs and yep. And so it's like when you take time to do something, it's like we're wanting to pick something that is meaningful and going to move the needle for not only us, but other people. So I think that's why we're here today to talk about something that's specific, but also mm -hmm. real and, and it will hopefully stimulate people to think and think about something from a different perspective. I think that's the other thing, too, that I want to offer today is like a disclaimer, because people who might listen to this conversation might be turned off or offended that's not the point of this conversation it's not to it's not sure for shock value it's right. for it's real like it's something that it's just again to preface to just to offer a disclaimer i've lived this my entire life and then now in my last 13 14 15 years and i guess graduate school 15 16 years included i've studied a lot of this stuff and mm -hmm. now it's become a lived experience slash an academic you know platform for me so. Which is which is you know we'll we'll definitely get into this later, but uh, you know uh, not to for lack of a better phrase you know me being the counterpoint I have not lived any of this I haven't um, had too many uh, people ever throughout my life question my origins and and my family history or anything like that um, and so I I definitely have a different perspective on this and uh, and so yeah I'm curious to kind of. Uh, 
hear your experiences and and get to talking about you know why is this why yeah. why is it why does it matter why doesn't why doesn't it not matter you know like that all that yeah. good stuff is, so what so, are we talking about yeah so let let's to, to yeah it's great that you say that it's it's important to identify the topic for people <laughs> out there like what the heck um, <laughs> so is it is it inconsiderate is it inconsiderate to ask the question where are you from and or and you know and what what how what complex layers are there that fit into that question and when that question's asked and what it's appropriate to ask do you never ask it no we're not definitely not saying that but but you we, i think we need to take another we need to circle back on that because again status quo has been set to a certain boundary and a certain point it's been enculturated and i'm going to go in depth with a lot of the stuff and i think also just to touch on what evan's saying it is valuable to have your perspective because you're mm-hmm. you might be a person that's never been asked that question necessarily, but you might come across yourself wanting to ask it or being it or in, or in have a, you yeah, know I, have, I, yeah. I might have yeah. uh, asked that question before without thinking anything of it, just out of sure. curiosity, like, oh, where's this person from, you know, yeah. and and not really understanding their perspective and their feelings on, oh my God, here's yet another. Uh, white guy asking me where sure. the heck I'm from, you know. So, so just to just to drop one uh, definition, and I just mentioned enculturated. Like enculturation is, you know, we have norms, values, language, rituals, and all of these types of factors and structure, physical structures, and and psychological structures that apply to a culture. And enculturation is the is the process of that being recycled and used over and over again for decades and years and years and years. And so great, great grandparents give to grandparents, give to parents, give to kids, right? So there's four generations I've just named there. And and those four generations could span hundred plus years, say 120 years for what I just mentioned. And all four of those generations, that family and that community are, are, are practicing culturation in some way with, this is what the great grandparents did and they've taught down the line this is what you do, this is what's normal. And so just to give you an idea, in 1919, the Portland Realty Group was like the main realty group in Portland and they sold houses and, you know, they had all the, you know, all these companies have bylaws and, and I guess, so in the article I was reading, they had bylaws that stated they were not allowed to sell a house to an, uh, specifically in the article as mentioned, a Chinese, Japanese, or african-american in a white neighborhood so and this was going on for decades and decades and again enculturation even if they remove that clause or that part of section of their handbook in 1965 or 75 they people were still practicing that because again you your company can get rid of something right but people still do it or your culture can say we're not going to do that anymore or this drug's legal or not legal, but people still find their way to do it or, you know. Right. So that's kind of the same, the picture I paint, which enculturation exists, unfortunately, in a lot of these ways that from that time in the early or mid-1900s when these things were going on, they, they've been passed on for generations. So that's where you get into belongingness and some people from minority groups not f- physically not being able to belong. You know, yeah. they couldn't buy houses in certain neighborhoods or nobody would sell them a house in a certain neighborhood. So there was a lot of 
uh, and, complex and there's that. And something we got to realize too is, uh, you know, a lot of this stuff is a process. So even if they do get rid of that clause, it, it takes conversation and it takes awareness to go, oh, okay, we, yes, we have gotten rid of this, but now yeah. we have to actively change our habits and actively change, you know, our, our practices, even though it's not in our laws or clause or anything like that. So sure. um, it's never going to be an instant switch. But it's never also going to change unless people are aware of things like this going on yeah. and stuff. So it, it takes that conversation, which is here we are. We're having a conversation. Well, so. you and I grew up together in, mm-hmm. in in a town not far from where we live. We both live now. And I think that that town had like less than one percent, you know, of an Asian or african-american population is very small and oh i remember our our <laughs> high school of whatever two thousand kids or yeah. something there was probably i don't know three or four yeah. uh, african-american people there was probably yeah. a little bit more asian people you know so uh yeah, yeah it was it was pr- predominantly uh white europeans yeah. you know so uh, in the school and it's it's so the reason i'm referencing that is because it, i want to give people some context people that listen to this are like does this exist? You know, growing up, it's not like I had like just a tormented, traumatic, brutal childhood, but I looking back, it it psychologically impacted me a lot because I was constantly told to go back to my country. I was constantly, you know, given information from your kids, your circles, your social circles that are around you every day at lunch or in the hallway about, you know, making fun of your name or, or your, what you look like. And if your parents have an accent they know, and so they, there's all these layers, you know, and, and I think that's where belongingness comes in. I never felt like I truly belonged. I always felt like I was an outsider, a, a foreigner, an immigrant trying to work my way in. And I was born a citizen, but that's irrelevant to the community, right? So mm-hmm. I was, yeah, out of curiosity, uh, you kind of, you know, uh, mentioned it, but, but your parents, uh, do you know why they chose Oregon City? Why they chose... <laughs> yeah. To move into that town? Yeah. They, well, my, my dad was offered a job from Southern California, and then he moved up to – he got a job offer in the Milwaukee area maybe, and they lived there for like, I don't know, for a very short period of time in an apartment, and I think he was just like, this is new, and then they house shopped. And mm-hmm. when he – my dad's just an interesting – I mean, he's the youngest of 10 children, you know, and he's just an outside-of-the-box thinker, and he mm-hmm. and a lot of people that he'd met, I think at that time were like, Oh, you could live here, live here. This is not too far away, whatever. But in my dad's mind, like, you know, he was like, Hey, I kind of like this community or this is close to where I live. Instead of looking for a neighborhood that looked like him, he mm-hmm. just was like, I'm just going to live what's convenient or what I like or find a house sure. I like. So that yeah. was really what went into it. He just, he okay. found a, a home in Oregon city and that's where he wanted to live. And that's where they bought a house. And my mom and him ended up settling there which again it's strange to think about but like these are how these things happen like there's no there's no true cadence or logic to it it's just he wanted to be there and he went there and so it's an interesting dynamic because that could you know that changed the everything for his kids and for them things like that so and the community that surrounded them sure. and, and all that sort of stuff. Right. And, you know, what one could argue either way, but from my perspective, I mean, uh, obviously your family has enriched my life, you know, uh, growing up and whatnot. So uh, I can say that you guys moving into the community was all for the better. You know, it was, for sure. it was uh, your mom, uh, <laughs> you, you, you know, this one of the best cooks. Yeah. Like I... <laughs> <laughs> Many people will say that. <laughs> Uh, if everybody could eat my mom's food, you know, people would just stop 
calling me names. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but so that's where, you know, just to give, again, a couple couple better known examples. But like when 9-11 happened, mm. I, you know, people were like asking me, questioning me and wanting to know why my people did this. And so that's where the blindness again was questioned. And I was older at that time, but it was like. I, I kind of got just sent right back to like, even if any progress I'd made when I went to college and I was like, Oh, I'm out of that small town. There's more people, different backgrounds and I have less, uh, belongingness issues. Um, you know, that's where it just came back. Like people were, after nine 11 were like questioning me and questioning my, uh, what I look like or people that look like me being a part of this country and mm-hmm. so that that's that was a tough one and and more recently there was an Orlando nightclub shooting um you know I don't know it was like in the last 5 years this horrible tragic situation and and that mm-hmm. was also somebody that had brown skin who is I think a middle eastern or I they might have been um Arab some Saudi Arabia which I am not but everybody groups us together right that's right, a whole right, other right. conversation but um but yeah again people were like how, why would people, why would your religion, why would your people do this? And it's like, man, like I just, it's crazy. The amount of connectedness that occurs, the profiling or the stereotyping, the categorizing that occurs when a minority group or a religion that's not the predominant religion in the United States is, is doing something. And then the entire, the entire racial characteristic of that skin color, or that religion is responsible for it. But if there's a mass shooting where there's a Caucasian person doing it, nobody's attributing that to the entire you know existence of that population or that religion or even looking for their religion if it's the status quo religion which we'll get into but um but yeah well, so even in even in recent events i mean you look at the pandemic which you know you could trace the origins back to china and now in this country i mean the the eastern asian uh violence against eastern eastern asian culture and people that that look like that have just skyrocketed and things yep. like that and it's like what yeah. you know there there are people i mean uh uh my wife has that descent as you know and and she's even talked about it on on some level here in yeah. our own local community community about yeah. the hatred towards towards that and it's just yeah. like again here we go Th- this is that conversation this is why i uh you know wanted to get this out into the the universe here it's, it's like come on yeah. think about this uh this is a human being who was born and raised here uh has yeah. you know has friends here has lived their whole life here and now right. because they look a certain way we're going and and because of current situations now we're going to flip the coin there or flip the flip the narrative and it's like right. that, the, it just doesn't make any sense yeah so so we 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 could go into a a very long you know tunnel of different or an avenue of different conversations about complexities of belongingness and mm-hmm. and you know there's layers to this of what you look like there's layers to this to your religion there's layers to this to your ethnicity and but i think what we're here to analyze is the where you from question why does that exist sure. and why is that normal why is that a status quo and the way I, I i keep using the phrase status quo is like the status quo is is the expected norm right a status quo is a norm so if, if in our community and we live in suburbia, right? The status quo is a car. Like when you go somewhere, you get there by car. If you have a job or if you go to school, you're assuming people are getting there by car. Mm-hmm. And if 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 they're taking the bus or if they're taking the train or if they're walking, it's it's outside of the status quo. So like right. status quo is like we will we'll calculate commute times and everything based on vehicles. Driving. So status yep. quos are built into our wiring. It's like oh we expect that because it's normal, right? So. 
my my way of describing this question is the status quo throughout my life has been it's just normal for people to ask where I'm from. Like they'll they'll first they'll say I'll say hey my name's Imran, and then they'll you know oh, what's your name and then we'll exchange that and then you know in within the the first few questions it'll be like oh where are you from like you know people want to know like and then I've actually had conversations about this with people, um, and they they'll just say oh I'm just really curious and I'm like well I'm curious too about everybody mm-hmm. I don't I don't I'm not asking about your life story your grandparents immigration story and like the next minute i know i'm telling them the story about how my dad took the queen mary here and you know he went to southern california for i'm like why am i telling my life story to this person i just met five minutes ago yeah like what what why do i have to do that and secretly growing up it was always like me crossing my fingers to be like man i really hope they like this story i really hope they accept me i really hope they say that's really cool welcome to our country like i honestly that's what i wanted to hear Mm-hmm. and and then as i got older and it wasn't until i was in my 30s i was like why the hell do i have to tell that story like i yeah. i'm a citizen here i have belongingness here i i we're all immigrants like you know native americans win the conversation we want to go get technical the native yeah. americans were here first right right so right. every other person here is you can make whether you're here from 1901 or 2001 it doesn't matter it's a, the native americans win right so right. anybody who tries to question my belongingness i'm gonna be like oh well should we rename everything and let the native americans be in charge probably right if you want to go that route so like you you don't have any more right to be a part of a neighborhood or restaurant or anybody's company or private public whatever then we could argue the native americans because they should be in charge if we want to go that route so this idea this mentality that that people ask where i'm from it really it unpacks a lot of stuff for me because it's like, I've never asked that question to someone. Like I've never gone up to somebody who's, you know, say Caucasian and has a European background, I'm assuming, and just say, you know, Hey, my name's Imran. And you, so you say, Oh, I'm, I'm Evan. I'm like, Hey, where are you from? You know, what's your story? What's your ethnicity? You know, yeah, yeah, like yeah, it would yeah. just seem intrusive. It seems personal. It yeah. seems like it's none of my business. And and here I'm going to go, cra- I'm going to go out on a limb here. That's what we're here to do. Uh-huh. But it's, it's almost like me asking like, Hey man, like good to meet you. What's your sexual orientation? Yeah. What brought you to that? Yeah. yeah. Or Hey, yeah. uh, how much, what did you file on your taxes last year? What was your, <laughs> what was your household income? How much do you and your wife make together? You know, like yeah, yeah. the ideas that, and people are like, oh no, it's not. It's not that it is. It's personal. Like, yeah, ethnicity or geographic origin, and ethnicity is defined as geographic origin. It's like that's a personal thing. That's a core thing. That's like what my belongingness is to a a DNA or a a, a history of a population that came from a different part of the world. That's a part of a very inner type of identity, right? And so when you look at how people immigrated here, when or what generation they came here, um, or if their grandparents or great grand or they did, or they're the first generation of their family, like that's just like personal. It's really personal. Mm-hmm. It's like, again, it goes back to how much money do you make or who do you sleep with? Or like, we is that really my business right now? Like, so that's kind of where we get into when should you ask that question? And how is it, if you're curious, how do you come across that? And that's what I most frequently hear. Now, from again, we we talk about perspectives on this show too, and uh, you have this perspective because of your life experiences, uh, which is going to be different from mine. Because you know, I'm sitting here thinking about um, any time if if that question has ever been posed to me, 
And uh, if it has, I don't think I'd think anything of it. Mm-hmm. And it, it may be because of a whole multitude of reasons, one of which is probably like, I don't get it often. So if somebody asks me, they're, I'm just like, oh, they want to know more about my life and not think anything of it. The other part is um, because, again, of my experience and the way I look and the yeah. way I act and the way I talk, sure. uh, to me, it, it seems a lot more innocent than, yeah, yeah, than, yeah. than course, like, hey, tell me your, your ancestry and, all, and yeah. all that sort of stuff. And again, I'm not, I'm not discounting your experiences. I'm not sure, discounting, sure. Yeah. Um, you know, what that question could, could mean, you know, in, in, from your perspective, because it is definitely the points you're bringing up and, and your experiences are a thousand percent valid. Yeah. It's just like, uh, again, my, my experience, if someone came up to me and said, hi, my name is so-and-so, what's your name? And I said, oh, I'm, I'm uh, Evan, nice to meet you. Uh, that was kind of funny. I don't know why I hesitated on that. Uh, I forgot my name, apparently. Uh, no, like, hi, I'm, I'm Evan, nice to meet you. And then they turn around and go like, so where are you from? You know, yeah, like, yeah. I, I wouldn't think anything of it. Sure. Go, oh, I'm from, I'm from here. Yeah. Uh, quick question. Um, I'm wondering if, uh, would it be different if it was reworded? Like, let's say we're meeting for the first time. And, uh, you know, like, hi, my name is Imran. I'd say, oh, hello, I'm, I'm Evan. Uh, um, and you're like, oh, we get in a conversation and I say, oh, hey, are you, are you, uh, are you a Portland native or, yeah, yeah. you know, like, yeah. is, that, that, is that, that would be different. I think, first mm-hmm. of all, let me respond to the first thing you said. It doesn't make sure. you a bad person to ask that question. Yeah. It doesn't make you a racist. Like it's, yeah. that's not, if anyone's listening, that's not what I'm saying. I think right. what you're here to do is why I set it up the way I did is this change the status quo. Like yeah, yeah. It, it, and it's, if somebody asked if I was a Portland native first, it would be different because then would be like, Oh, I wonder where he grew up. Cause clearly, you know, here, but I've also heard from people like, Oh, I could tell you have an accent. Like I've heard that from people. No joke. They're like, <laughs> you Oh, you're Pakistani. Oh, I could, I could tell you have an accent. I'm like, no, dude, you- <laughs> this is, that's where it gets annoying, Evan. That's where it gets yeah. annoying. It's wow. like people yeah. will just go into this crazy black hole of like assumptions and conjuring up even an accent that I have that doesn't exist. But to answer the other part of what you're saying, it would change the conversation for sure. The way I try to pick flip it back to you is if you if you were on crutches right? And you had a cast on or you're on crutches or you're injured or you, you had something was going on with your body physically that wouldn't allow you to walk properly. And, and so for, say you're on crutches for eight months now, everywhere mm-hmm. you go, the first, the second question people ask like, Hey, what'd you do to yourself or what happened? Why are you on crutches? Like mm-hmm. after the 120th time of somebody complete stranger saying like, why are you on crutches? What happened to you? You probably would get a little bit fatigued answering that question. You'd be like, Oh my gosh, I'm over it. Like, all people notice about me is my crutches and my injury. Like all people notice is that I can't walk, you know? Yeah. And so what what I'm also a picture I'm trying to paint is I never have, if somebody like I've been all these, I've been asked to speak here, speak there, go to this conference, go to this event. And they say, give me a bio. I've never once included Pakistani in my bio because it's not a part. I don't feel like it needs to be, it's not just a part of every day. Like I think, oh, I'm Pakistani. I'm, you know, that's, I fly the flag. And like, obviously I'm proud of being from Pakistan. My parents are from there and they lived there part of their life, but it's mm-hmm. not like my identity seems to get minimized into one corner when I have to answer those questions. And it's like, I think of myself as like, I love sports. I love food. I love coffee. I love interacting with people. I love, you know, 
the, there are so many things that I'd like rather talk about with people when I first meet them that are that are not personal, that are light, that are fun, that can create similarity and connection. And that's kind of where I'm trying to move the dialogue. It's like, mm-hmm. and let me let me paint a different scenario for you too, Evan. It's like if 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 you met somebody at Oregon State when you went to Oregon State, there was probably international students there mm-hmm. who had thick accents because they were non-native speakers. And mm-hmm. like, imagine being that international student, like every day, dozens of times a day, that they where would get that. Where are you from? Yeah, where are you from? It's yeah. got, it's taxing, dude. Like, I mean, for those no. people and those international students, all they want to do is fit in. Trust me, mm-hmm. all they want to do is fit in. And every day somebody's like, oh, what country are you from? You mm-hmm. know, and it's like, why can't if I bet that international student, their day would be made if they met a new person. They were like, they're like, oh, like, do you what do you like better? Coffee or tea? Like the second, third question they ask instead of like, oh, I noticed you have an accent. What country are you from? Where are you? You know, so mm-hmm. it's 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 not about you being a bad person. It's about again, it's it's about thinking about what the other person goes through from a marginalized, historically marginalized population that when this po- the population of this very country was built on immigration and 300 plus million people are all immigrants, you know, that's, that's where you get into creating a, a sense of welcoming, belonging, a sense that, that doesn't exclude people or doesn't make people feel less than the status quo. And again, the status quo is what a term that we don't ever hear european american like it's funny we have african american we have korean american we have chinese american we have pakistani american we have arab american we have and i could go on i think you get the point we don't have european american because this is status quo no one ever says it would describe the person then you would never hear european american you would never hear that but if they're white you don't even need to go in depth it's a status quo it's normal normal Mm -hmm. you see what i'm saying like normal is this abnormal is all of them and so this this question unpacks so much for people it's and i i know that it comes off a lot of these conversations come off tough for people and heavy and people get very defensive and territorial and it's not that's not the point the point i'm trying to make is i if i see somebody on crutches i purposely don't bring up their injury like mm-hmm. I, I just don't like I, I know I'm ultra aware, whatever I'm trying to paint that, but I just mm-hmm. don't because I know they've already answered that question 68 times that week, you know, yeah. and I'm yeah. like, I'm not going to be the one who exhausts them further to have to explain it. if what when they're ready to tell me about their injury, like in mm-hmm. the organic flow of the conversation. Mm hmm. They will. I mean, that's, that's right. you know, like yeah. when somebody's ready to tell you about their sexual orientation, when somebody's tell you, ready to tell you what they do for a living or how much money they make, when somebody's ready to tell you their life story, their geographic origin, their immigration status. Again, deep core inner identity principles, they'll tell you. Like they'll tell you when they're ready. So you open it up for people to be able to dictate that conversation, especially when it comes to populations that couldn't even buy houses in white neighborhoods. Like those populations, again, have been treated different and been given less chances to succeed. And so from day one, and unfortunately, that's not your problem, Evan, because I know you weren't a problem that issue, part of that issue, but it can still be a, a way that you can contribute to a solution. You yeah. know, like even though you weren't part of the original issue, you can still help contribute to the like improving society. That's the way I always paint the picture for people. We don't, mm-hmm. it's not like you contributed to somebody being disabled and in a wheelchair, but you can help put in ramps places mm-hmm. so that those people mm-hmm. can get places. You know, sure. like you didn't contribute to them being injured, you didn't contribute to the part of 
society where those people can't get everywhere it's not your responsibility i get it but can you help so that everybody can enjoy a park or everybody can enjoy a restaurant so it's like the where you from even uh even simple actions you know uh, right now there's an ad running because you know obviously we're watching a lot of basketball there's lots of basketball going on so we get this we get this uh reoccurring ad where there's this one jerk kind of floating through life and uh there's you know you you made me think of it because you talked about somebody on crutches but this guy is uh in front of the person with crutches and they're trying to get to the door in time and he just goes right through the door and lets the door shut on the person basically with crutches because he's so into himself and you know kind of the point of the show you know look he's not looking around um and so it's just that simple act of like oh let me hold the door open you don't have to even engage in conversation with that person be like oh what happened to you you know all that sort of stuff it's just that extra little i'm aware that you know here's here's something going on here i can do a simple act and what you're talking about it's it's uh, a simple act of you know uh maybe i don't need to know the entire ancestral history of this person i'm 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 talking with we're we're right here engaged in a conversation i don't I, you know it's it's just irrelevant to uh to perhaps the conversation now like you said if it comes up organically, then obviously, you know, you dive, dive right in because that person wants to tell you their, their life story. But to to assume like you have been um, uh, throughout your life to assume that you are not from here, not native, all yeah. that sort of stuff is just it's wild. And something like I've already said, something I've just never experienced. And yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, so it's interesting. It's, it's important. Again, we go back to, we circle back to, it's important to have these conversations. It's important to go, Hey, this is my experience. And like you were saying, there, there's going to be people out there like, that's not how it is, or that's not why yeah. I'm asking that question and all that sort of stuff. That's not the point. Yeah. The point is, We've got a perspective here that's going, no, I've been asked that enough. And yeah. I'm sure there are, uh, and, and even through your research, you know that there are a lot of other people who have experienced that exact same thing. And so now that we've put this out in the universe, people need to be aware and people need to be like, huh, okay, um, maybe I should just stick to, hey, uh, you know, what's your, what's your income level and your sex life? Uh, maybe that should be, uh, the third, the third question. <laughs> that sounds good. I mean, if they're willing to answer that, maybe the next part of the conversation would be the immigration story or something like that. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the part of, of being, it, it's all about letting people tell their own story, being mm-hmm. different from what, what the, what the traditional or the enculturated ritual has been. Right. And that's kind of where we just offer ideas on how, how free. And and again, as a minority growing up in my household, my parents taught me like, Oh, you're always, you always answer people's question. You're always respectful. You, you never, you know, you never say anything rude. You never cut off the conversation. Like there was things that were pounded in my head over and over again. So there were there was never an instance where I was like I don't feel comfortable answering that question to you. Like if somebody asks where you're from, mm-hmm. I would never respond with that because gosh, for I would not even want to think about if my parents found out I said that to somebody, they would just lose it. You know, and even when you're 16, 17 years old, like you don't have the the awareness or the bandwidth or the idea or tools, the, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. to even respond to that because you just I was so conditioned to just respond, mm-hmm. but um, you know even as an adult 
I've, I've still been wired to not respond that way because it comes off very cold and rude because I'm like, oh, yeah. that's just super personal. Like, I don't want to talk about that with you yet. Like, can you imagine if I said that? Like, oh, man, that that yeah, brown guy dick. is like. And so <laughs> yeah, yeah, we go yeah. back to we. And, and what's interesting about that is we go back to the way that I the sense of responsibility I feel as a minority, as a brown skin person, as a Pakistani, which is like if I am rude to somebody, just put this in. If I'm rude to somebody, I'm representing an entire population of millions of people. I don't get to just be yeah. a single file, single entity. If, yep. if you're rude to somebody, they, they're, they, they may it's not think over. every white person is rude. If yeah. I'm rude to somebody, they're going to be like, man, those, those brown people, those immigrants, those minorities from those, that part of the world. And it's just, it's really unfortunate. Cause again, that's why I brought up the nine 11 thing. That group of people who are clearly nuts, not in their right brain, who can think about doing something crazy but flying a plane into a building don't mm-hmm. relate to any part of the population they just don't no matter what they look like what religion they, right. that is just a that's they're in their own state of mind that i can't even describe to anyone but mm-hmm. they represented an entire population of millions hundreds of millions of people that day and mm-hmm. it's unfortunate that that's what was taken in the context of people like oh now now i know all those people that practice that religion or look like that they're more likely to commit crimes or they're violent or they don't like me, you know? And so mm-hmm. it's, it's, so that's what goes into if somebody asked me the question, I can't just refuse and be like, Oh no, I'm not going to talk about that with you. We don't know. Each yeah. Other you got well a larger enough. responsibility, right. uh, that, uh, you know, and, and again, uh, kind of like what you said, um, uh, again, lack of a better phrase, like unjustifiable, like you shouldn't have that weight on your shoulders. You should just be, this is again, this is me and this is me talking, uh, but in in the in the status quo, like we've been talking about, um, it has a larger connotation to it. it has a, it has a much larger impact. Um, yep. It's that there, there's that uh, unfortunate um, uh, thing I've heard in the past about you know like an African American uh, goes into a store and maybe steals something and is caught now. Every single yep. African American that comes into that store is watched like a hawk because yep. one did it, the rest are gonna do yep. it, you know. And it's like, what? Like, yep. I mean, it just doesn't make any yeah. sense when you pull back and you look at it from no, no, no. This was one crazy individual yep. who was doing something wrong and inappropriate. Yep. Um, and everybody is responsible for their own individual actions. Yep. So it's like, why are we penalizing a whole group of people? It's ridiculous. One of the hardest things, and you just you just described it so well it's we have the nature to simplify and categorize just that's how humans are wired and that's what stereotyping is and what we it the hardest thing to do is to allow every person to create their own file or their own story so to get into a conversation with someone to get to know someone to get to meet somebody new it's very difficult for us based on what you look like, whatever your gender is, whatever your sexual orientation, whatever your ethnicity, whatever your religion, it's very difficult for any person, you and I included, to just go into it and say, I'm going to let this person describe themselves, write their own story, give me information, and not put them in a category immediately. Because that's just what we do. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not, it's, again, this, is a con- this takes conscious effort. And I think what's amazing is you, sitting on this call with me, are a great spokesperson for this. Because... Because to your advantage, you are the cardboard cutout. You are the status quo to the population of the United States. Majority of the United States. Ripped. Ripped cardboard cutout. <laughs> yes. Of course. It goes without saying. Thanks. Thanks. But, Thanks. The, Thanks. but the majority of the population is European, Caucasian here. Yeah. And you are a great spokesperson for that because you can 
because people are more likely to follow your lead or listen to you or if you have a dialogue with somebody the next time you hear about this it comes up say oh yeah like it's actually not a great idea to ask that question because they get asked that a hundred times a week and they just mm-hmm. don't feel like they're a part of our Portland community or whatever it is that you're talking about with that person. Yeah. If I bring it up with people again, again, it's just, it's you know? a complaining it's a d- Brown guy. Yeah. You know? yeah, this, yeah. Oh, these yeah. minorities, mm-hmm. they want to take our jobs. They want us, you know, and I'm not trying to do that to anyone. I'll earn my way everywhere I go. I always have, I, I don't want any free passes, but that's where you get into. You are a great person to have these conversations or these types of, of, you know, platform, create a platform or create a curriculum or create an initiative or be be aware of it to the point where if you hear it or you see it around in your next social situation or your next work situation heaven forbid it's a work situation but but in a new employees being onboarded and everybody's just all they're asking them is you know what's your accent from you know so the employee mm-hmm. feeling that are part of the company in the first week they keep yeah. getting that question so it's like i think putting being able to interject from your perspective is so valuable um, because you are, you're, you're Caucasian and you mm-hmm. have a name that's easy to pronounce. It's a status yep. quo type thing. And it's just, it, it moves the needle for people. We, we, we operate so heavily in the United States on si- the rule of similarity. And it's like, we, we like people who are similar to us who sound, dress, look, and are just, uh, appear similar to us. And so yeah. we're more likely to relate to them, connect with them, listen to them, you do what they say or what they want. That's why it's like so difficult for, you know, people to go into these conversations that are minorities and then have a really great, establish a strong connection, a really great rapport and get people to walk away and be like, yeah, that's a great, like if someone else comes in there and starts that dialogue, maybe they can all vibe and connect on in a different way and then it can still be productive. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, you just said it all right there. And so I, I hope that people, uh, you know, listen to this conversation. I hope that people, again, the point the point of this podcast is to think about these situations going forward because we all have to live here. We all have to interact with each other. And uh, again, we've said it on, uh, I think, the last two podcasts, and I'll say it again. We're all human and we're, we, we need to treat each other with a, a, a certain level of respect, a certain level of understanding, and, and just know that um, we're going to have different experiences specifically, but in general, uh, you know, we want to create an environment that is welcoming for, you know, everyone. And, uh, and so if, if there are 500 people that feel this way locally, I guarantee worldwide, you know, it's, you know, three, five, 10 times that much. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, be aware. And yeah. like we have said a million times on this show, take a look around once in a while. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> all right, Imran. Um, all right. Thank, uh, you. thank you so much. Thanks for your perspective. Thanks for all that you do. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, I guess enjoy the rest of your day. Glad to be a part of it. All right. Thanks, man. Take care. In consideration with me, Evan Johnson. Produced, mixed, engineered, all by me, Evan Johnson. Theme song by the enormously talented Dr. Mark Adams. Thanks, Mark. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and I just might read it on a future episode. Got a question? Email me at inconsideration.podcast at gmail.com, and it too may be read on a future episode. 
And if you haven't already, please subscribe to In Consideration wherever your fine podcasts are downloaded.